Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Uh, so listen, we've, we've gone over a few things this week, and I'm excited to, to continue on as we're processing this concept of finding freedom, pursuing it, finding it uh, through Jesus. But Sunday, we really started out on challenging what we know, what we believe about God. You know, who do we say God is? Not what the world says, parents, friends, teammates, coworkers, not what anybody else says. Who do we say God is? Because the world can influence how we view just everything that we process in our own lives, including how we understand freedom. But then Monday night, we redefined it, that God has a different perspective on what freedom should be. And then last night, we started to process the fact that we are being set free from sin, this raw, consuming force that wants to drag us away from holiness. And we see it pop up in our lives in the decisions that we make, whether it be lust and gossip and jealousy and wrath and all these different things that can pop up in our lives in so many different ways. So we need to start to understand that God has a plan to remove this evil from the world, this thing that's binding us and and holding us back in so many ways. So here's what we need to process. We need to understand, I'm sorry guys, I think for some reason... My slides may be in here backwards. I'm going to pause for a hot second. Core, the first slide should say, so what's his plan at the top? So guys, just hang on, follow along with me. But we started to process yesterday, what is God's plan? If there's a different way for him to remove evil from the world, because if he were to do it instantaneously... If he were to do it instantaneously, he would not be just. It ultimately would not be loving for him to do so. So he decided on another plan. And his choice in this, God's choice in how he was going to bring about freedom for us, is that he chooses to bring freedom to us, not by our definition of freedom. Because remember, the original definition of freedom that we had, the original definition of freedom that we had, is that we can think, say, act, in any way that we want to, without hindrance or restraint. So the freedom that God is bringing is one that's redefined. But that freedom, for us to find that freedom, to be released from sin, from the bondage and chains of sin, that was going to come at a price. It's not free. So I want to look at Romans 6, verses 16 through 18. And Corey, that's going to be the the first slide I'm looking for. But Romans 6, verses 16 through 18, I want you guys to listen into this. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves? Awesome, thank you so much. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin 
have become slaves of righteousness. So we're seeing from this passage in Romans, and guys, here's what I love about this book. And we're going to look at a few passages in Romans tonight. But here's what I love about the book of Romans is Paul's writing to this letter to the church in Rome. And what had happened is you had Jewish believers, people who practiced the Jewish faith, and then they came to understand that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the Savior. And then there were Gentile believers or non-Jewish people. And what had happened is all of the Jews, including Jewish believers, were kicked out of Rome for roughly five years. So the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, were left to run the church. The Jews come back, and now you've got a very interesting-looking church with a lot of conflict on what faith should really look like. So Paul writes this letter to kind of say, listen, guys, I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you used to believe in. What we follow now is Jesus. What we look to and trust in is Jesus. So he's trying to course correct and get this church back on target. And he says, for each and every one of you, whether you were a Jew or a non-Jew, I need you to understand something. Jesus has set you free from sin, from the bondage and chains of sin. And now you have become slaves of righteousness. Now remember, that original definition of freedom included free of restraint, and remember, a measure or condition that keeps someone or something under control or within limits, chains. So the world's definition of freedom means no chains. So wait a second. Based on that Romans passage, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. So Paul's saying, I'm going from a slave to a slave. That sounds like a bad deal. Why should I be excited about being chained up by one thing and then being bought and now chained up by another? That doesn't, that doesn't sound like a good deal to me. If this, con if this is the, the concept of freedom that God's talking about and that God's bringing, I don't know if that's something I'm too excited about. But I want to talk about this. What, is he, what do these chains mean? As Paul uses this language in Romans quite a, quite a bit. He used this language of being a, a slave to sin and becoming a slave, to, a slave to God. So I want to talk about this for a second. The slaves that were in that time, the rights that they had were extremely limited. The chains that they experienced is that slaves could not speak without being spoken to. They could not marry without permission or have kids without permission. They, can't, they couldn't expand their family, their lineage. They couldn't enter into a contract or covenant. They couldn't eat with the master. They couldn't go into the master's home and they couldn't make a contract, like I said. So what a slave was able to do, what their life looked like, like was extremely limited and held back. So then as Paul continues on in Romans 6 and he talks about this transition... Let's look at this, Romans 6, starting in verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, 
you were free in regard to righteousness. So when you decided to live in your sin, when you decide to pursue everything you want to pursue, I see a girl that looks good. Because I'm a slave to sin, I can just think about having sex with her. I can lust after her however I want to. Because I'm a slave to sin, if I feel like picking on that kid, beating up that kid, I can go ahead and do that. Because I'm a slave to sin, if I feel like making a crude, inappropriate joke, I can do that. Because I'm a slave to sin, if I feel like having unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, I can go ahead and do that. Because I'm a slave to sin, if I want to, through a simple word or a Snapchat, I can destroy another person's reputation in an instant, I can go ahead and do that. I am free from being righteous. I don't have to worry about being righteous because I've decided to allow myself to be bound by sin. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, we're going to pause there. So as I decide to be wrapped up in sin, and I don't have to worry about living holy in any way, I don't have to worry about doing what God says, I can do whatever I want to do. And we said this the other day, sin is fun. It feels good for a time. And then the guilt and shame sets in, and we start to see the the repercussions, the consequences of sin as it rips apart lives and relationships and damages homes and families. So the chains, the things that slaves were not able to do, you can't have a life, not in sin. But look at what God says. God says you can do what? God says you can speak freely, that you can eat with me. You can live in my home. You get to make a vow. You get to make a contract with me. You are adopted by me, and you inherit the kingdom of God. I want to pick this apart. I want to look at this. 1 John 5, verses 14 through 15. It's not going to be up on the screen. I just want you to tune in here and listen along. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, toward God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So a slave can't speak to the master, but God says, listen, I bought you with a price. You are now mine. But things are a little different in my house. You have the freedom to speak with me whenever you'd like. To have a relationship with me, to know me personally. Revelation 3, verse 20. We get to sit down and have a meal, enjoy a conversation with the creator of the universe. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. We get to live in his home. John 14, 2 says that in my father's house, there are many rooms. 
And behold, I go ahead of you to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And I love this next one. I make a vow. We make a vow with the Lord. Ephesians 5 verses 25 through 27. Ephesians 5 talks about the relationship that we have with Christ. And he compares it to the relationship of a husband and wife. Ephesians 5 verses 25 through 27 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Some of you saw my wife and kids walking around this afternoon and miss them already. She had to take the kids home, put them down for bed. Ladies, if on your wedding day, you start to walk down the aisle, and some of you are going to be like, amen to this. You start to walk down the aisle and you notice your, your groom hasn't started crying yet. Some of you are going to be like, pause, turn around, start again. You better tear up. And you're going to go back. And fellas, trust me, you're going to tell yourself years, months, weeks, even the day before, no, I'll be fine. And yet it, there's just something about seeing your bride walking toward you. It just cuts you deep in the most beautiful way. The fact that we have absolutely nothing that we deserve in this life There is absolutely nothing we deserve in this life. And yet the Lord looks at each and every one of us and he says, I love you. You are my beloved. I want to be able to see you walking toward me in all of your splendor. It's just such an incredible and beautiful imagery of the beauty of God. These last two are absolutely incredible. We are adopted by God. Romans 8 Verses 14 through 17, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. So we go from having no rights and no family to God saying, listen, I want you to be able to eat with me, talk with me, be in my presence, be adopted by me, become co-heirs in the kingdom of God. I want to give you a home. I want to give you a place where you feel loved, knowing that I will never leave you nor forsake you. We talk about this idea that we crave a, a limitless idea of freedom. The freedom God has planned for us, it does include limits for our safety and ultimately our joy. 
So when we want to experience freedom, it's not that we are entering into a world without limits, but we're entering into a relationship with a limitless God. That we get to personally know him. That this God who breathes out stars, who speaks the universe into existence, he knows your name, he knows the hairs on your head, and he says, I want you to walk with me and talk with me and have a relationship with me that I can know you personally. You know, Song mentioned this the other day. said something about a veil. Matthew 27 talks a little bit about the crucifixion of Jesus. The reason that all of this is possible is because God coming to this earth as a man, he, Jesus, became Sin. He took on all of our wickedness, all of our mistakes and stupidity. He became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. He leaves his throne in heaven. He's betrayed by his own people. And as there are conspiracies and lies told about him as he's brought before his own people for trial, they decide to put him to death. But this process throughout the night of all these conspiracies and lies, the Roman officials, they kind of struggle with this idea of putting him to death. So they say, well, let's just punish him. So they take wooden reeds and they whip them. And they take an object known as a cat of nine tails, which would have been leather straps with bits of bone and clay worked into it. And they would have raked it across his back and torso to the point where it got down to the bone through the muscle tissue. And it says they beat him to the point of beyond recognition of being a man. And then he carries his cross through the city as he's being mocked and spat on. And then they drive nails through his hands. And it wouldn't have been in the palm of his hands because the weight, it would have ripped out. So they would have put it right below the palm, which is anatomically considered part of the hand. In between the two bones that run through your forearm so it couldn't tear out but it would pinch the nerve so where you couldn't move your hand or flex your hand in any way. They would have stacked his feet on top of each other, driven a nail through the top. And what's crazy about this is this entire time, Jesus is still 100% God. And at any moment, he could have called down legions of angels And he could have lifted himself off of that cross, but he wills himself to stay there. He wills himself to stay up on that cross because he knew it was the only way he could bring us freedom. That it was the only way he could bring us healing. 
that the only way you and I would ever have the possibility to break free of our stress and anxiety was by experiencing the grace and the mercy and the joy that comes from God. The only possible way that you and I would ever have the chance to overcome depression and our suicidal thoughts and our desire for self-harm is if he willed himself to stay up there so that through his sacrifice, we could find healing. As he willed himself to stay on that cross and we see this beautiful example of forgiveness, that he might give us the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be able to forgive our abusers. That as we see the love of Christ that he has for his church, the faithfulness he has for his church, we might learn how to be faithful to our spouses. That we see the sacrificial love of God the Father, we might learn how to love our children, even if some of you have never seen what a loving parent looks like. And in the midst of all that, in the middle of this pain and chaos and anguish, he still, he looks at his punishers and he says, Father, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. And in Matthew 27, verse 51, it describes this scene as Jesus surrenders his life. Don't misunderstand me. Jesus was not killed. That's not possible to kill God. He laid down his life. He sacrificed him life. He willed himself to the point of death so that we could have life. And in Matthew 27, verse 51, it says, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Because in the temple, you had the Holy of Holies, and this is what Song was talking about. It was a sacred room that only the high priest could go in once a day, one day a year. One day a year, one guy could go into the Holy of Holies and experience the presence of God. Jesus dies on that cross in this veil that was 60 feet wide, 30 feet high, and a hand breadth about four inches thick is torn from top to bottom, which says what? That each and every one of us, Man, woman, child, Jew, Greek, slave, free, everybody has 100% complete, full access to God. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, it says, But when one turns to the Lord, when somebody turns to the Lord, you're walking in your sin, you're walking in your wickedness, and you stop and you turn back to God, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I love this. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Look, I love this. When you turn to God, he's taking you out of your depression, out of your stress and anxiety, out of your sin, out of your pit of despair, out of your bad choices. And I love this. He's taking you from wickedness 
and sin. He's placing you into glory. And he says, as you experience me, I'm just going to continue taking you from one degree of glory to another. It's just going to get better and better with me. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So guys, listen, in a minute, you're going to have some time to reflect. And I'm going to dismiss you to go out in just a minute. I'm going to dismiss you to go out onto the lawn out front here. Don't go over the bridge. Don't go behind the, the OTM. And your counselors, your program directors, you're gonna, they're going to kind of usher you back in here in a few minutes. But I need you to process this with me. This is what I want you to think about. Your life is chained and limited by our sin. But there is nothing, at least not on God's end of the deal, there is nothing that is holding you back from freedom and finding freedom in Jesus. So the question you have to ask is what's stopping you? What am I just not allowing myself to let go of? What, what am I waiting on? Can we be honest for a second? Are we, we're gonna wait? and say, well, let's just wait till life gets a little worse. Guys, hear me here. The fullness of joy and grace and kindness and mercy and love is waiting for you. Freedom is waiting for you. And the only reason you haven't experienced this yet is because for some reason, you've gotten really cuddly with your chains. You figured out how to make it comfortable in your prison cell. And the Lord's begging, saying, get up and leave. Run out of that grave. Run out of that prison cell. And like the prodigal son, I'm waiting. I'm ready to receive you. I've got a ring for your finger because you are mine. And no one can take you from me. So as you pray, grab a counselor if you need to. Grab a friend if you need to. But what's stopping you? We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.